entitled Hearing God's Voice. And this morning, I want to talk to you about the word listen. The number one thing that I am asked the most is how can I hear God? How do I know he's speaking to me? And the second most common thing that I hear, or really the number one most common thing I overhear Christians saying is, God doesn't speak to me. Actually, it's God's nature to speak to us. Let me show you a verse. John 10, verse four and 27. He goes before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Sheep know. They don't have to guess. It's not a maybe. Christ followers know his voice. I want you to stop saying, I don't know God's voice. I want you to never say those words again. I don't hear God. I can't hear God. Jesus said, you know his voice. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Isn't that precious? Psalm 17 and verse 6. I am praying to you because I know you will answer, O God. That's something in your knower. How many of you have your knower turned on this morning? Because I want you to know some things in this service. And I want to start with the fact that you know you hear God's voice. Bend down and listen as I pray. Imagine the creator of the universe, God Almighty, bending down to have intimacy with you to have fellowship with us. I am so struck by that. And we talked about the fact that we need to place value. Last week, this was a major point for us. We must place value on listening. What does that look like? Well, very simply, we make room for the things in our life that we value. See? You make room to go to church you make room to go over to your relatives. You make room to celebrate a birthday. You make room for friends. You make room for sporting events. You make room for your spouse. You make room to go to a children's or one of your child's football games or sporting event, don't you? Why? Because you value that thing. Proverbs chapter two, my child, listen to what I say and treasure. In fact, each, each one here, if you would, when we get to the word that's bolded, would you just say it out loud, real loud for me? My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and connect, concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would silver. Seek for them as hidden treasure how many of you have something in your life that you treasure not a person though how many of you have ever lost something that you treasured 
Can I ask you, how much time did you spend looking for that thing? Yeah. I mean, you probably spent hours, sometimes days, maybe not consecutively, but over a period of time, you may have spent months looking for that thing that you lost. You may have spent money to try to find it. You may have cried over losing it. And when you found it, oh, you let people know, at least your spouse or a good friend, and you showed it off and you'd, you were so happy. It just, you know, that is the idea here of making an appointment with God to be intimate, to listen. Listening to God's voice is something I value. In fact, more than gold, more than silver, more than anything else that I treasure, I am going to make an appointment to spend time listening to God. Carl Lentz said, and I quote, proximity creates passion. Distance creates, look at it, say it aloud, distance creates distortion. Whatever you're close to, you will be passionate about. Whatever you're far from, you will not care about. You see, we value his voice by making an appointment to spend time with him. If you're close to something, you value it. Proximity creates passion. I love to see the fascination and the hunger in new believers or somebody who maybe they've been following the Lord for a long time but they've sort of had a coming back to the Lord they've had a revival they've had a a fresh stirring in their life I'm thinking of somebody right now who attends our church they're not here this morning and every time I see them there's just a light in their eyes they're so excited to be at Genesis they're so excited to be under this word that we're teaching they're so excited to be having encounters with the Holy Spirit in a fresh and a new way that they've not had before. I think about that when I think about treasuring God's voice. Are you excited? Is there a light in your eye? Do you look forward to spending time with the Lord? There are two keys this morning that I'm going to share with you to listening to God's voice. Number one is stillness. In John's Gospel, chapter 15, Jesus mentioned the concept of abiding. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you will ask what you will and it shall be done for you. Abide in me. Unless you abide in me, you'll be a branch that isn't bearing fruit. All branches that aren't bearing fruit aren't abiding and they'll be cast aside. Those, all that wording. Now, I thought about abiding. Consider something. I find that there could be two meanings to that, as we commonly use it. Abiding could mean stick it out. Or abiding could be proximity. When it comes to hearing God, spending time just being intimate with him, Are you just sticking it out because it's the right thing to do? You know you should pray. You know you should read your Bible. You know you should go to church. You know, you you know. Are you just sticking it out trying to be a good Christian? Or 
Is there a light in your eye, a fire in your belly because of proximity? You just enjoy being with God, being in his presence. Psalm 46 and verse 10, be still and know that I am God. And then chapter 62, verse 1 and verse 5, for God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. For God alone my soul waits in silence and quietly it submits to him. There's something about getting intimate with the Father that requires being silent, being quiet, getting away from all of the hustle, the bustle, getting away from all the voices, getting away from the busyness, getting away from the demands of schedule and getting quiet, just silent. At this time in my walk with God, I've come to appreciate silence more than I ever have. In fact, I would say that now, as opposed to some decades ago even, I've been a Christian, my goodness, since I accepted Christ into my heart when I was 10, and then I really started serving Christ when I was 14. Well, those of you that are here know that we just celebrated my 60th birthday together a couple of weeks ago. So all of those years walking with God, and at 60, I'm here to tell you, I'm just learning anew the beauty of this aspect of listening to the voice of God. I've heard God's voice for years and years. I've, I've learned how and known how to follow God. I've made some great decisions following God and started several different churches because of following God and listening to his voice. And, you know, one can start to think after a while that you become an expert, you know, where I, well, I know God's voice. And I'm here to tell you that at my present age, I am learning all over how to appreciate the voice of God. And a lot of it has to do with contemplative silence. Just getting alone with God, not talking, not reading my Bible necessarily, not lifting petitions and asking, but just, there's a time, there's a time for all of those things. Those aren't bad things. But oh, I know I grew up and for decades pastored churches where the majority of my quiet time, we used to call it, my devotional time with the Lord was spent being busy, reading the Bible, getting through my scripture quote, quota for the day, and praying over a list of prayer requests. It's much different nowadays. Much different. I'm, I may not even open my Bible but there's verses running through my heart. There's, there's scripture context going through my heart and my veins. And I get with God and I'm quiet. Because now I've begun to value listening even more than speaking. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. We're told that our soul is our mind and our will and our emotions. See, it's not that God couldn't speak to me in the busyness of the day. He does. It's not that God can't speak to me when I'm busy with my children, taking them somewhere to a game. He does. 
It's not that God can't speak to me when I'm driving down the highway and a million thoughts going through my mind about the appointment that I'm headed to. He does. The problem isn't God, and the problem isn't God trying to get through to us. The problem is that my mind and will and emotions get so caught up with so many different demands, so many different voices, that it's hard to determine, hard to distinguish, hard to know. God's still, small voice, and all the great men and women of God throughout the ages will tell you and write in their books about this one aspect of intimacy with the Lord, that this stillness, this aspect of being still before God has transformed their walk and their relationship with God. The second key to listening is identity. What do I mean by that? Hearing God's voice will forever be elusive for you and me as long as I live according to the law and maintain a sin consciousness. Let me show you a verse. Psalm 40 and verse 6. You take no delight in sacrifices or offerings. Now that you have made me listen I finally understand you don't require burnt offerings or sin offerings. And yet, so oftentimes, our walk with the Lord is based on what we can bring, what I can do to please. And if I get to the place of devotion, quiet time, and I check the list and I find that there are deficiencies. Oh, shame, guilt, pressure, a feeling like I need to perform, a need to promise God I'll do better. <laughs> and the voice of God is shouting back, I don't even delight in all of your do-it-yourself religion. I'm not interested and I don't require offerings or sin offerings look at this one this is from the message translation same verse doing something for you bringing something to you that's not what you're after being religious acting pious that's not what you're asking for you've opened my ears so I can listen <laughs> would you put a hand somewhere on your heart wherever that might be for you <laughs> I mean I know it's in a certain spot on your body but if you could just would you repeat this Lord thank you for releasing me from performance based religion I choose to listen rather than try to please you You say, well, Pastor Jeff, that's, that's Old Testament. That's Old Covenant. Of course, of course, things have changed in the new. Yes, they've changed incredibly, and yet there is a common theme. So we come to Hebrews from the mirror translation. So love this. Also by saying, I am commissioned to fulfill your will. 
Jesus announces the final closure of the first in order to introduce the second. Grace replaces the law. Innocence supersedes sin consciousness. <laughs> there should be no awareness of failure in my quiet time. There should be no awareness of not measuring up or being pleasing when I go before the Lord. There should be no sense of shame when I bow my knee and go to be in his presence. None. Why? Because all of that is based on an old covenant relationship of obedience to God. And the scripture says here in Hebrews 10, 9, that Jesus closed the first so that he could introduce the second. And now there is no more consciousness of sin. A sin consciousness will keep you from hearing the voice of God. Shame, guilt, do-it-yourself religion will prevent you from being able to listen. God says, I want you to be a listener. I want you to have intimacy with me. There are three primary ways that God speaks to us. His word, our inner voice or conscience, and number three, his spirit. Let's do some Bible study, okay? Just real quick, I especially have to get through these first two so that I can spend more time on the last one, which is the one I'm, I'm so excited about bringing to you this morning in this series of listening to God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. How many believers do we have this morning? All right. Do you realize that the Bible is not the word of men? It is the word of God. You say, God never speaks to me. You obviously aren't reading your Bible. Little shame and guilt there just to help you with your intimacy. <laughs> no, but... How am I doing here in sharing the truth in love that if this is not the word of men, this is the word of God. And, and Paul was complimenting these Christians at Thessalonica and saying, look, when, when we came to you and we were sharing the good news and we were speaking to you about Jesus, you accepted it as the word of God, not as the word of mere men. You put value on what you were listening to and a great many of those doctrines, that theology, those experiences and those stories have been recorded in the pages of your Bible written as the Holy Spirit moved on men to write it and this is called now not only your Bible but the Word of God. The first way that God speaks to you 
is through his word. He will never speak to you in any other way that contradicts this, his holy word. Let's look at this, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Look at this. Okay, so the picture is, it's a lamp to my feet. Back in those days, of course, they didn't have street lights. Right? They had moonlight. I mean, when you walked outside your tent and you went for a walk, it was pitch dark except for the moon. If it was cloudy, what do you... So, Scripture says that when you're walking with God and spiritually as your baseline, your foundation, the Bible is a lamp to your feet so that you can do this. Y'all probably can't see that from everywhere and cameraman, but see, my eyes are closed and yet I'm walking and I'm kicking somebody. But I'm, I'm watching. Thank you for your help. Now, see, this is like the Holy Spirit, who in the Hebrew and Greek is feminine, by the way. But, so my poor illustration, which is falling apart, is that it's, it's the Scripture that, that when I get in those narrow paths, I get in those areas where, uh, you know, I have to be certain. I have to know the scripture is a lamp to my feet even when there isn't any other light on my path. It's a lamp to my feet. It is a light to my path, this precious word of God. God never speaks to you? Really? I can't hear God? Really? Then you need to take your Bible and get to know it. Let it become a great friend to you. Second Timothy chapter three, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. What's it profitable for? This book right here. I want you to look at this now. Say it and read it out loud, these next several words here from Second Timothy. We're saying that this book is good for, it's profitable for, it will serve you well in four areas. For teaching, say it out loud. For teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Training, equipping, instruction, direction, God's voice, God's will. Right here. Thank God for my Bible. Here's the mirrors mere translation of that let me check something here because oh John 15 7 and it looks like maybe okay indeed I skipped a verse so let me just read this verse to you John 15 7 which is that verse but from a different translation here's what you're familiar with but if you remain in me and my words remain in you you can ask for anything you want and it will be granted once again, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Here's the mirror translation of that. My words find voice in you. 
with your abiding in me and my words abiding in a conversation is, excuse me, your abiding in me and my words abiding in you, a conversation is inspired where you will request that which arises in your desire from our union and it shall come to pass from you. You don't hear God. You don't know God's voice. How can that be? And never again should you repeat those words because as you get to know this precious book, it comes alive and the voice of it there's a voice in here that will rise out of these pages and these words. And as you bite in it, there's a conversation that starts between you and the Holy Spirit, between you and God. As you read through this, a conversation begins. It's inspired by the fact that this is inspired. God spoke this. He wrote it. He gave it to us. It's his word. And so a conversation begins. And all of a sudden, out of that conversation, you'll begin to ask for things, and God promises, I will do it. Why? Because what you're asking is inspired. What you're asking is in agreement with God's overall will for your life. It's beautiful. The word of God. How does God lead us? First and foremost, he leads us by his precious word. And oh, here's something else that I've learned through these decades of walking with the Lord. It used to be very important to me when I did have my devotional time to make it through a psalm, a proverb, an Old Testament reading, and a New Testament reading. Uh, lovingly known as your Bible reading plan. Most good you know, certainly study Bibles, have a Bible reading plan in there somewhere. And they're commonly available from lots of different places, of course. Your Bible reading plan. And thank God for the Bible reading plan. But you know what? This is not trying to fill a quota. Intimacy with God is not about trying to read through your Bible in a year. Now, the newer you are in the Lord as a immature Christian, as a new, newly born again Christian, it's very important that you are fed the word of God in a way where you can, just as a child, would be fed in a way that's going to cause that child to grow and mature. You've got to get things to that child in those early years that you won't continue with as you grow into adulthood. How many of you know what I'm talking about, see? And, and so in your early years as a Christian, that steady diet, that disciplined diet of feeding on the word of God is very, very important. I don't mean to downplay that. But as you get to know God's word more and more, here's something that will happen. You'll stop reading it for volume You'll stop reading it to fill a quota or to meet a plan. And you'll do what John Piper, great theologian, articulate pastor, preacher, prolific author and writer, said this. Take two hours to ask 10 questions of Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, 
and you will gain 100 times the insight you would have uh, obtained or attained by reading 30 pages of the New Testament or any other book. Slow down, query, ponder, chew, end quote. Next, our inner voice, which we'll just call our conscience. And what I want to do here, I didn't put the scriptures actually in the slides, so I'll just read them to you real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. This is verse 12. Now, this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world, and especially in our relationships with you, with integrity and godly sincerity. Our conscience tells us that. Now, this might be based on the Word of God, a value of the Word of God, from the Word of God, certainly. But you have a conscience that's part of your internal being, your makeup, that leads and guides you. And the Holy Spirit, since you've been born again, and as you begin to read the Word of God, your conscience becomes clearer, the voice of it becomes more godly and reliable and it will question it will stop it will mark it will well wait or yes okay it's your conscience it's not the voice of the Holy Spirit but it it is the voice of your spirit or perhaps we could say your conscience listen to this Romans chapter 2 verse 15 they demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them that they are doing right. Now, this is speaking about unbelievers who do not and are not yet passionate Christ followers, and yet they have a conscience that tells them, you're doing right or you're doing wrong. Where does that come from? Where does that knowledge, even though you are not a Christ follower, come from that you are doing right or you are doing wrong? Paul talked about having a seared conscience. That's somebody who, whose conscience, they're so steeped in ignoring what God put in them as a conscience for right and wrong that now it's become seared, it's burnt. And they're, they're no longer in their conscience. They're not hearing right. They're not hearing morally. Your conscience can be a guide. God does use and speak to us through our conscience by giving us general senses of right and wrong. But it's this final way that God speaks to us that I'm most excited about in relationship to hearing his voice because combined with knowing the word of God, studying the word of God, listening to the word of God, reading the word of God, it is hearing the Holy Spirit speak to you that keeps Christianity alive, fun, refreshing, joy-filled, worth living. Without the voice of the Holy Spirit regularly speaking to us, without daily hearing God and talking to Him through intimacy, your walk with the Lord will become commonplace. It will become just theological and doctrine and Romans chapter 8 and verse 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. 
All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So here we go. We're transitioning now over into a new area. We're transitioning from just our thoughts over into his thoughts. Watch this, Hebrews chapter four. For the word of God is living. This word of God is living and it's active. It discerns the thoughts and the intents. I like this. It discerns our, everybody say it out loud, thoughts. It discerns our thoughts. Now, so we are going to move from written word over into spoken, revelation, God talking to me by his voice, by his spirit. The two go hand in hand. You cannot live by this alone and have no voice of God because the letter alone killeth, Paul said. And you can't live by experiences alone where you don't have the word of God and the word washing over and establishing and creating a baseline for your thinking and your thoughts. You need both. It's a marriage between the written word and the spoken word. I want to talk to you now in these last few moments about God's spoken word. Not the spoken word as recorded here in the Bible, but how he daily speaks to you. Watch this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10. I think that's our next scripture here. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. Again, as we get to the bolded items, would you just say that word right out loud? But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. Watch this now. God reveals things how? How does God reveal things? Keep in mind that when Paul made that statement to the Corinthian church in a letter that he was writing, this didn't exist. You with me? This that we treasure and love, and I think, I think I've spoken clearly this morning about its value. Keep in mind that when Paul made this statement in a letter that he was writing, most likely from a prison, to a church at Corinth, this didn't exist. All right. God reveals these things how? By the Holy Spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. What will the Holy Spirit do? Show you God's deep secrets. Let's keep reading. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. What is he saying there? Who knows you like you? <laughs> right? Who knows you better than you? Oh, we talk about how that, uh, well, nobody knows him better than his spouse. <laughs> nobody knows her better than her mother. Well, okay. <laughs> but really, nobody knows you better than you, especially in those secret things. Secret desires, secret prayers, secret places you go, secret things and thoughts you have about others that you've never said, never spoken, never told anyone. Nobody knows those things but you. Now, imagine that. God, God's like that. God has secret thoughts. 
God has secret ways. And look, he doesn't want to keep them secret. He has nothing to hide. What a revelation right there. God has nothing to hide. God is not hiding anything from us. God's not hiding his will. God has nothing to hide from us. In fact, no one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. But no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so that we can know. Hand on a heart again. Hand on your heart. Say it. I know God's very thoughts because his spirit makes them known to me. Never again are you to say those doubt-filled words, I can't hear the Lord. God doesn't speak to me. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And always will. Okay, here's another one. John chapter 16, verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will, say it, guide you into all truth. He'll do what? Marissa, would you please guide me? I'm going to close my eyes and watch. I'm just going to depend on her. And isn't that true of how when, see, God's a good God. Thank you. Thank you. God's a good God. God guides us. Even when I tend to stray, even when I'm about to go some, God's got my hand, God guides me. That's his will. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do this in our life. How? He guides us. He will not speak. Say it aloud. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. God doesn't speak to you? Impossible. God never talks to me? I can't hear his voice? Ah, well, that may be true that you cannot hear, but not because he's not speaking. So we need to come into quietness and we need to deal with our identity and stop being conscious of sin so that we might discern and hear the beautiful voice of the Holy Spirit. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, surely I'm not at the end. <laughs> okay, I'm at the end of that. All right, let me read to you this passage and just try to focus in. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 through 12. Listen to this. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. No one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. Now, combine that with this concept. How does God talk to you? Through your thoughts spontaneous flow of thoughts that comes to you all during the day. God speaks to you through your thoughts. 
through our, to our spirit, not in words, but in thoughts, impressions. The Holy Spirit speaks to us like this. I think the Lord wants me to do this or that. I, I, I think you need to go this way or you need to go that way. He'll impress your spirit with, I think you should. And it's never a demand, it's never a pressure, it's never an obligation, it's always a leading. Keep in mind, he leads us beautifully. God speaks to you through your thought life. He impresses you with thoughts. And when those thoughts come and he speaks those things to you, they will never contradict this, his written word, never. They will always agree with what he's written here. So you check your impressions, you check those thoughts with this. But you are hearing the Lord. 